Hey there, everyone. Welcome back to the Fantasy Pros Football Podcast. I'm Dan Harris, joined by Mike Tagliere. You can find us on Twitter at DanHarris80 and at Mike Tagliere NFL. Tags, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing good, man. I uh, I wanted to ask you a question, really, before, and it, this might be a question for Bobby because he's the one like with hot takes and whatnot. But it, it's it's a question that so we had some friends over last night, and I said, "Hey, we're going to the Bears Cowboys game next week," and Tab goes, "No, it's this week," and I was like. No, it's, it's not this week. She's like, yeah, it's this Thursday. And I was like, no, it's next Thursday. So my question to you, Dan, when it's when it's Saturday of a week, like like yesterday, uh, what do you refer to Thursday as? Like, like would, would this Thursday be Thanksgiving that it's already passed? Or would you refer to the Cowboys-Bears game next Thursday as this Thursday? I mean, that's a really easy answer. And the answer is Thursday. Like on Saturday, if you say, what are we doing? You say, oh, we're doing this thursday or on thursday because then you know what it's going to be but would it be this thursday or next thursday okay if you had to call it something if you had to say something it would be this thursday it would not be next thursday because tags there was a whole seinfeld bit about this entire thing man you can get yourself into major trouble if you're gonna just throw around words <laughs> how is that possible though because it's next thursday it's the next thursday this thursday was part of this week right mm -hmm. tags this is this is certainly i guarantee you if you raise this with bobby he would just have such just a harsh opinion on what is correct and what is not correct for me dude i'm just trying to get along with my wife i whatever she said i <laughs> would be fine with i'd be like yeah you're right honey sorry about that this next thursday whatever you want either way just say thursday we're gonna go see the bears on thursday why say this why say next tags you're just unnecessarily creating problems in your life man I, you need me as your life coach dude that, that's what you gotta do before you have any conversations with your wife text me say dan i'm gonna say this what do you think i'm gonna be like uh, i don't know buddy maybe walk that back a bit trust me trust me it's i've got it down to a science <laughs> All right, let's start with your winners and losers, as we always do. Give me your biggest winner. Uh, they're actually both in the same game again. Uh, and this one is because it's hard this time of the year to find winners and losers because we obviously know the roles and whatnot. But uh, there's a few guys that we were kind of uh, we're still unclear about their roles. And uh, the biggest winner of today would be OJ Howard for me. Uh, he's a guy that obviously fell into the doghouse after he had that weird fumble a couple weeks ago. But the last two weeks, he's been kind of getting more and more snaps. He caught five of six targets today for 61 yards. It wasn't a particularly good matchup, but now they're going into a matchup with the Colts. Zone-heavy scheme. They've really struggled against tight ends this year. I do happen to like him. Uh, so he gained a lot of stock. And then the biggest loser for me was uh, Ronald Jones. I mean, if if you couldn't trust Ronald Jones in a matchup like this, there is no possible way that you could trust him uh, going into the fantasy playoffs. I mean, it, it came out after the game. Bruce Arians said that he missed a blitz pickup and he was just sent to the bench. And Anytime someone's on that short of a leash, it's it's kind of ridiculous, you know, because Ronald Jones hasn't been particularly bad in pass blocking over the season, but uh, it is what it is. And uh, Ronald Jones is my biggest loser because he is totally off my fantasy radar right now. Yeah, I mean, Howard is fine as your biggest winner. We have talked about Howard a number of times on, on this show, and, and I'm fine with it. I mean, he certainly got back in, you know, the good graces. He had a good game, played well. Uh, he was heavily involved. So certainly if you're looking uh, for good matchups going forward, at that point, you know, once you get past the top six or seven, you're basically throwing darts, so I'm fine with it. With Jones, this is just an... I mean, where do you have him ranked this week, Tags, out of curiosity, off the top of your head? I had him I had him ranked, I think, RB19. Right, yeah. I had him around there as well, and there, there really was no reason to think that this could happen, but you, the point that you raise is critical, okay? He might, you know, play extremely well next week against the Colts. It's possible, but the fact that he missed a blitz pickup 
and then was essentially benched for the rest of the game. I mean, that's you cannot start anybody. I mean, you think about Chris Carson, right? Chris Carson has fumbled <laughs> like 90 times. Right, exactly. And Pete Carroll just keeps rolling him out there. He's like, no, no, it's fine because he's got the leash. But when you're on something like that, it's terrible. Now, I assume, I mean, Barber obviously scores the two touchdowns, by the way. Uh, you know, not a great line, 17 carries, 44 yards. I assumed you're just not starting anybody in the Bucks' backfield going forward. Is that fair to say? That's that's exactly how I feel. And I, I still think that Ronald Jones is probably the one that would, would like, if it, you know, when it comes to ranking them next week, they're going to be playing the Colts. It's a tough matchup on the on the ground. I know Derrick Henry just went off, but uh, that's a tough matchup. So I, I don't want to start either of them, but if I was forced to choose one, I'd still probably say it's Ronald Jones because as we've seen with Arians, with O.J. Howard, he does bench somebody for a game, and then he puts them back into the role. And knowing that Ronald Jones is supposed to be their future, you know, the guy that they spent a second-round pick on, I, I would assume that he's going to kind of walk back into that role. But still, it's it's again, it's not a situation you want to trust, and, and it's not a good matchup this coming week either. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you can't be – I mean, if you're still playing next week, then you're in the playoffs. There's no possible way that you could risk your – uh, playoff life on either one of these guys at this point and it's just a huge disappointment he's clearly the biggest loser on the day all right so look normally what we do here is we go into what's your problem man which i know you love but your rankings this week were pretty pristine other than ronald jones and someone thought it would be a good idea to end the bye weeks in week 13 so we're just going to need to skip it today for the record though i was going to call you out on your ranking of Emmanuel Sanders rest of season because you're way too high despite the fact that he's topped 41 yards just once in his six games with the 49ers. So for people who really were desperate to hear something, that's what it would have been, but we're going to get right into the games. But before we do get into at least starting with the Thanksgiving games, I want to tell everyone that we are going to be announcing the winner of our Dak Prescott helmet giveaway on Monday's show. Now, that signed Dak Prescott helmet all of our Hamlet giveaways, they come from our good friends over at Pristine Auction. You know about Pristine Auction. It's the only place you need to go if you're looking to get any piece of sports memorabilia. So you go to pristineauction.com. You register for an account, which is free to do, by the way. What are you going to see? Well, on your home screen, if you look on the left side, you're going to see tons of categories of items being auctioned off. Comic books, movie posters, coins, and of course, items from pretty much every sport imaginable. And I'm looking at it right now. There are currently 10,689 football items being auctioned off. More than 10,000 auctions of football memorabilia that is guaranteed authentic and from only the most trusted sources. Yesterday, there was a Todd Gurley signed jersey that went for $61.42 and a Ray Lewis signed football for $58.50. So just come check it out. Go to pristineauction.com. That's P-R-I-S-T-I-N-E auction.com. And use our code FANTASYPROS in the registration field when you sign up. You'll get a free $5, and that lets them know that you heard about them from us. All right, Tags, let's get into the games here. Let's start with your Bears beating the Lions 24-20 on Thanksgiving Day. A little bit of a rough start here, but Mitchell Trubisky makes a number of really, really solid throws, especially down the stretch. Finishes with 338 passing yards and three touchdowns. With no snacks, Harrison, David Montgomery runs well, 16 for 75 on the ground, plus the touchdown reception. Obviously, the game flow hampered him a bit here since the Bears were behind for most of the game, but certainly good to see him run well in a plus matchup. So, Tags, I mentioned the Allen Robinson jersey. He has a very good game here, as usual, 12 targets, 8 catches, 86 yards, and a touchdown other than one pretty bad drop. He had his usual 
excellent game. But he did not see the most targets or have the most catches or tally the most receiving yards for the Bears. Instead, that was Anthony Miller, who saw 13 targets, caught nine of them, and went for 140 yards. We've touched on him a couple of times this year, Tags, but this is now the third straight game with at least nine targets and 54 yards. There was no Taylor Gabriel in this game, but you're a wide receiver needy team who happened to make the playoffs. Are you picking up Anthony Miller going forward? I would pick up Miller. I think he's definitely worthy of having a spot on your bench. Uh, are you going to play him? I mean, they're playing the, the Cowboys this week. That's going to be a tough matchup to, to trust him in. Uh, but again, the Cowboys, uh, they have actually had to go to Jordan Lewis in the slot. So it's an upgraded matchup. And he actually has a better matchup than I would say than Allen Robinson. So if you're desperate at the wide receiver position, maybe there's an injury, whatever the case may be, uh, you could look to Anthony Miller. He should absolutely be owned. And this kind of goes back to the conversation we had this offseason about Miller and I, I, I was dumbfounded throughout the entire start of the season why the Bears were not involving him more. And this comes down to Matt Nagy overthinking the offense and doing too much trickery where it's like, get your best players the ball. And good things happen when they target Allen Robinson. Good things happen when they target Anthony Miller. Uh, so it's good to see him involved, unfortunately. They didn't have the, really the field-stretching element. A lot of people wanted to see the Bears take more shots down the field. But, I mean, Anthony Miller's not that guy. Allen Robinson's not really that guy. Uh, Javon Wims is the one who stepped in for Taylor Gabriel. So he's not really that guy. They were just missing a few pieces. But it, it was a... It was a really good matchup for them against Detroit. Detroit is just really struggled in their secondary. So it helps that Trey Burton went on IR. It helps that uh, Taylor Gabriel was out. But the, the targets have been so volatile for Miller all year that I don't think that he's someone that you want to consistently rely on. It's more like spot starting him if you have to. And that's probably not going to be next week, as you mentioned, against Dallas, right? Or against Green Bay going forward, right? Yeah, Green Bay is yeah, Green Bay's been pretty good against slot receivers. Tremont Williams has been really good. Uh, and again, the Cowboys have been one of the tougher matchups for wide receivers over the last two years. I don't think people realize just how tough of a matchup that is. But again, Jordan Lewis in the slot, uh, he's struggling a little bit. And uh, we saw Cole Beasley kind of take advantage of that last week. So we could, I mean, if the Bears are smart and if we go with rational coaching, yeah, they should go back to Miller this week. But I don't want to trust Nagy to do it if I don't have to. Meanwhile, Jeff Driscoll misses this game and is now on IR, so it sounds like it's going to be the David Blau show for the rest of the season. He comes out firing right out of the gates, long touchdown pass to Kenny Galladay, then another one to Marvin Jones before the Bears defense adjusted to him. Meanwhile, Bo Scarborough continues to run well, 21 for 83 on the ground. Any thoughts here on the Lions knowing that Blau is going to be the quarterback going forward? Mm. <laughs> Not good. Blau, if you if you watched that game on Thanksgiving, I know a lot of people did because it's obviously nationally televised. It's Thanksgiving. The first touchdown to Kenny Galladay, he, Galladay just outran Prince of Mucamara. They didn't have a safety covering the top for whatever reason. And then if you saw, like, throughout that entire first half, it was like, you know, he was throwing to open spots in the field. They're like, why is it every time that he drops back to pass? There's just an open spot on the field. Uh, just what the Bears were doing. Uh, but going against Minnesota this next week, it, Minnesota has been a matchup where you can attack them through the air, but Blau, I'm not going to trust him, so I'm going to downgrade everybody in the Lions passing passing core and looking at uh, Bo Scarborough yes he's getting the early down work but he's not get, he has one target through three games as the workhorse running back the, the early down running back I should say so I mean if you, if if we like predict game script here Minnesota is probably going to be favored in that game by double digits and it's in Minnesota so you're going to kind of downgrade everybody so Bo Scarborough is somebody that I really don't want to start in that game at all like he's going to be outside my top 40 running backs I'm going to guess even though he is getting most of that early down work uh, whereas Galladay, probably down in maybe high-end wide receiver three territory, Marvin Jones, wide receiver four. That's kind of how I feel about it. I'm just not excited about those guys because the floor, whenever you think about someone that has like the risk, you have to think, what's the ceiling? What's the floor? Galladay got five targets. Marvin Jones had six targets. And that's in a game that Blau threw the ball 38 times. They're not going to have him throw the ball that much. They're not going to control the ball, the clock, all that stuff. Uh, I'm just downgrading the entire offense. 
Yeah, honestly, I think the Bears just kind of underestimated what he would. They were the Lions were going to try to do here early on because once they adjusted, you know, uh, Blau really couldn't get anything going whatsoever. So I agree with you, and I mean, look, it, you know, it's on me. I was I was extremely low once I knew that Blau was starting on both Galladay and Jones this week. I mean, lower than ECR. So I'm going to take a little bit of hit in the accuracy ranking competition, but that's all right. Going forward, though. I think that's a pretty sound strategy. I, I don't expect all that much, um, despite the fact that the Vikings obviously have been beatable through the air uh, so far this year. Certainly, I think he got to knock Galladay to, I mean, he's still a wide receiver three, but, you know, a low end at that. Let's move on to the next game. Bills 26, Cowboys 15, an incredibly impressive win here for the Bills. Josh Allen throws just one touchdown pass to Cole Beasley, who executes the revenge game narrative with six catches for 110 yards and a touchdown. Meanwhile, Devin Singletary totals 101 yards and a receiving touchdown, not from Josh Allen, instead from John Brown, who saves a mediocre day with his passing TD. Ordinarily, I would ask Tags, the Bills have a tough schedule going forward. Baltimore, Pittsburgh, New England, can you trust Josh Allen and John Brown? But I've asked that each of the last two weeks, so I'm happy to ask it again, but you can just talk about whatever you want to talk about from the Bills. Well, the thing is, is it, it really is a tough schedule. And like, this is nothing against, you know, Josh Allen or John Brown. It just has to do with us. We have to look at the schedule, right? And say they're playing against Baltimore, a team that legitimately you do not want to run into right now. Uh, one of the best teams playing in football. Then they go to, they play against Pittsburgh in week 15, a team that's playing for the playoffs. And they've been a brutal matchup for quarterbacks dating back to when they got Minka Fitzpatrick, you know, uh, and then week 16, if you want to win a fantasy championship, they're playing New England. I mean, this is a brutal schedule. And by the way, John Brown, he hasn't totaled more than 40 yards. Uh, I think like 36 yards was uh, over the last two weeks. And like touchdowns have saved him. I don't want to rely on that every single week. So I think the the idea to sell someone like John Brown, the idea to sell someone like Josh Allen made a lot of sense. And I still, I wouldn't feel necessarily comfortable going into the fantasy playoffs with Josh Allen as my own, only quarterback. Yeah, I mean, Allen's, you know, ability to, to, you know, do it on the ground saves his value a little bit, but I'm certainly worried about Brown. You know, you mentioned it, um, you know, he's found a way to produce at pretty much every single game, you know, whether it's by a passing touchdown or even when he doesn't have the yardage with a receiving touchdown, but yeah. I really don't want to be relying on him going into my playoffs. I mean, there's, you know, you may be in a situation where you have to, but certainly your expectations need to be lowered as much as possible. For the Cowboys, although you attack the Bills on the ground, Zeke gets just 12 carries here. He does add seven catches, totals 137 yards, so his owners are certainly satisfied. Meanwhile, Prescott throws for 355 yards and two touchdowns, but he turns the ball over twice. Amari Cooper has eight catches and 85 yards. He goes for x-rays after the game. They're apparently fine. Michael Gallup, three for 63. How are you feeling about your Cowboys at this point? Uh, they're another one. I mean, I don't want to say a tough schedule, but going against the Bears is not an easy matchup. I'm just frustrated about the play calling here because Ezekiel Elliott, I want to say it was, uh, there was still like six or seven minutes to go in the first quarter. And he had, I think it was 72 yards, 72 total yards. And it was like, all of a sudden they just decided to abandon the run and Dak Prescott's throwing the ball 49 times against the Bills. Jason Garrett deserves to get fired. I'm sorry. Like, I'm not usually one to say that, but there's far too much talent on this team for them to be underperforming like they are. And Jerry Jones is right. Like, it's it's winner, like winner get fired basically this year. And I, and it's been too long. I think a lot of people have thought that for a long time, but this has just gotten to the point where it's embarrassing to to continually it's it's almost like the, the idea that Bill Belichick is a smart coach is because he's he, he understands what a team's weakness is. He doesn't overthink it. It's almost like teams trying to get too cute and overthink. They, oh, the Bills think we're going to try and run it, so let's just try and throw the ball 49 times against them. It's stupid. It's stupid. 
It is stupid. So it, it almost leaves you in a, point, a spot where you're just like, how much can I really trust anybody in this offense? Because Gallup, Tredavious White didn't shadow Amari Cooper, which is what allowed him to kind of have the game that he did. And Tredavious White is clearly the best cornerback on that team. But, you know, Randall Cobb, a guy that was seeing seven plus targets and had back to back hundred yard games. He sees three targets in this game. So it's like there's just no consistency in it. And you can't predict how they're going to use their players, even if they're in a good spot, just because it the because they haven't done it really all year. Dak Prescott's putting up numbers because he's throwing the ball a ton. And Dak's not the reason this team is losing. I just think it's play calling. And I'm just frustrated with the entire team. Yeah, I get it. But, you know, in terms of actual advice, there's not that much you can do about it, right? You're still starting Prescott. If You're still starting Ezekiel Elliott. You're still starting Amari Cooper. I mean, Gallup is a guy who I think you can get away from if you want to. But overall, he's probably still in that range where you're going to wind up starting in most weeks. Again, you're in the playoffs at this point. So it's going to be a lot of, of who else you have in your team. You've probably got a pretty stacked team. So you could get away from Gallup. But in the end, it is frustrating. But I don't really think there's all that much you can do about it at this point. Let's move on to the Saints 26, Falcons 18. Julio Jones, a surprise inactive in this one. It was kind of a snoozer game, but we got to see like eight successful onside kicks in a row. So at least it was kind of worth it in that way. Uh, for the Saints, you are only happy if you play in a league with team QBs where you get credit for Taysom Hill's receiving and rushing touchdown. Otherwise, everyone is a dud here. Drew Brees, just 184 yards passing and that one touchdown. Alvin Kamara, just 84 total yards. Even Michael Thomas has just 48 yards receiving. And Jared Cook, I mean, he has 85 yards, but he could have had a monster day if he could have brought in several catches. So any concern over the Saints here? Just writing this one off. Yeah, I'm going to write it off. It's a divisional game. Obviously, the Falcons played well against them a couple weeks back, but you figured that the Saints would just bounce back and get back to normal. And I mean, they scored 26 points, so it wasn't like a complete dud or anything like that. But from a fantasy standpoint... I mean, Alvin Kamara is the biggest, I think, miss here, but I'm not so worried about him, though. A lot of people are really worried about him, but he's averaged, ever since he came back from his ankle injury, he's averaging 19 opportunities per game. Uh, that's more than enough to get it done. It's just the touchdowns aren't there. He's only scored two touchdowns this entire season, and they both came in back in, I think it was week three against the Seahawks. So there's like touchdowns going to come and they're probably going to come in the fantasy playoffs and people are going to be like, oh, damn, I should have gotten Alvin Kamara when he came cheaper. That's kind of how I feel about it. But yeah, I, just a bunch of frustration basically from uh, some of these games. Yeah, no, no problem. And again, you know, Latavius Murray at least was not at all involved. So that's at least the one thing you take away as a Camara owner. You're frustrated. But again, yeah, those get, you know, we saw with Fournette last week where, you know, you've got touchdown regression, DJ Moore, it all kind of just comes. It'll come for Camara. And if you made it this far with him, I mean, you're obviously starting him. It's just silly to think otherwise. And he's probably going to have a big game or two in the playoffs. On the other side of the ball, Calvin Ridley winds up with eight catches for 91 yards. It's kind of a weird game from him. Marshawn Lattimore wasn't on him to start. Then he was, then he got injured, then he came back and Matt Ryan underthrew him on what would have been an easy touchdown early on. And regardless, Ridley continues to put up solid numbers overall with or without Julio Jones. Devonta Freeman returns, puts up 64 total yards and Russell Gage and Christian Blake both see nine targets. Blake has six catches for 57 yards. Gage with five for 52 but he does find the end zone. Let's just play this out. Let's just assume that Julio shuts it down here because the Falcons are out of it. He doesn't want to, you know, put his shoulder through anything. Can Gage or Blake be a fantasy option for people who might have made the playoffs but aren't all that strong at receiver? Uh, Gage is for sure, especially against Carolina. Uh, they played them a couple weeks ago, and Gage, I think he only finished the game with like two catches for 32 yards, but he did have a touchdown that was overturned because the ball moved a little bit when he came to the ground. Uh, but they're, they're a team that's really struggled over the middle of the field, so Carolina would be a matchup that I would definitely target him in, especially if Julio's out and uh, Austin Hooper remains out because if those guys are out, it just clears up so many targets in that offense. So, uh, yeah, I'd, I'd say Gage. Blake is not someone I really want to uh, attack. 
Yeah, no, I, I agree with that. But Gage, yeah, look, he's involved. And I, again, I'm not saying that Julio Jones is going to shut up. We all thought he was going to play in this game. So, you know, with a with a short week, it was probably something where he just didn't want to risk it. And my guess is he'll be back next week. But if not, I agree. Gage is somebody you can take a look at. You know, if you're in a deeper league, if you've got injuries or if you're struggling a wide receiver, he certainly could be a viable option. Let's move on to today's games, and let's start with the Dolphins 37, Eagles 31. It is the Devontae Parker show, the only other guy who could have been your biggest winner. Ten targets, seven catches, 159 yards, and two touchdowns. Tags, you had him 26 in your rest-of-season rankings coming into the week. He's got three straight games with at least six catches and 91 yards. He's got the Jets, the Giants, and the Bengals remaining. Where is he now if you updated your rankings rest of the season? I did. I moved him to 23. Digging Parker. I mean, I, I, I've been saying it in the primer, and it's almost like you're worried because it's the Dolphins, right? But at the same time, you have to say to yourself, like, the Dolphins are always in game scripts where it's going. they're going to be throwing the ball a lot. They don't have anybody that could run the ball. I mean, even Patrick Laird, they went to him today. Gave him 10 carries. He had five yards. Kalen Blosh had three carries for no yards. Like, this team cannot run the ball. So they're going to go through Fitzpatrick, like it or not. And he's willing to throw it up in one-on-one situations uh, to Parker. So I'm digging it, man. Like, he he's someone that I've said, if you removed his uh, his name from his jersey and if you just kind of, like, broke everything down and, and look at the numbers that he's produced all year, he'd be started as a top 18 wide receiver every single week. So I, I'm not going to start doubting him now, especially with good matchups on the horizon. Now, with the running back, you mentioned Balaj, you mentioned Laird. Balaj left with what looked like it could have been a serious leg injury. I haven't seen any updates on it. So it could be Patrick Laird probably leading the way in the backfield. You mentioned the 10 carries for five yards. He does add four catches for 43 yards. Is he a guy who, if you're desperate at running back, you can start given the, I mean, the Jets aren't a great matchup, of course, but is he a guy who fantasy owners should be looking at, you think, assuming that Balaj is out, let's say, for the rest of the season? If you have to start Laird uh, <laughs> in the fantasy playoffs, I feel bad for you. Uh, I, I don't want to start him against the Jets. The Jets have been a, a really tough matchup for running backs. Uh, not many people realize that. Uh, so, yeah, I really don't want to rely on him if I don't have to. He's kind of like a, I'll put him in the Naheem Hines, Duke Johnson type territory where, like, I don't feel great about him. But, I mean, he's a body, <laughs> so there's that. <laughs> he is a body. I mean, that's true. If you're in the playoffs, you probably don't need to go that deep. But, uh, you know, you never know whether or not, you know, you might be dealing with injuries or you might have somehow survived despite having basically a black hole at your RB2 spot. Let's move on to the Eagles side. Jordan Howard out again here. So, Miles Sanders carries a load, 17 for 83 on the ground, plus five catches for 22 yards and a touchdown. Carson Wentz throws for 310 yards and three touchdowns with an interception on a final play. Hail Mary. Now, Sean Jeffrey sees a whopping 16 targets, catches nine of them for 137 yards and a touchdown. Biggest takeaways here on the Eagles side of the ball. The NFC East, man. It's who wants it least, buddy. That's what it is. It really is. And you would think with the way that this offensive line uh, is supposed to be like they're widely Dan, you like they're widely considered the best offensive line in football, if not top three. Right. And yeah, for whatever reason, they're struggling to run the ball on a consistent basis and they haven't stuck with the run. It's like they have 19 carries in a game against the Dolphins. That's a team that's like I think they're facing over 23, 24 rushing attempts per game. Uh, so they didn't even run the ball as much as they should have with Miles Sanders. Carson Wentz missing guys wide open in the flat. He hasn't looked good. Um, you know, Alshon Jeffrey, I know he has a big game, but Nelson Aguilar was overthrown a, a few times. I, I saw Ertz drop one basically in the end zone. He was playing through a hamstring injury, but 
this is just an underperforming team. And it, it's it's so weird because it almost goes back to the Bears and the, and the Rams. It's like these these teams that were supposed to be, you know, headed towards a bright future with with young coaches, with with, you know, good quarterbacks or young quarterbacks that were supposedly developing. And all of them are stuck in this rut right now. And the Eagles are five and seven. Not going to I don't even think there's a chance they make the playoffs. Is there unless they own a tiebreaker of some sort? But no, I think it. I think they both control their own destiny at this point because don't they play each other? Did I make that up? I thought they both control their own destiny at this point going forward because they play each other I could be making that up I don't have the schedule up right now yeah I don't have it up either but it's I mean Alshon Jeffrey is someone that you start Zach Ertz is basically losing targets to uh, Dallas Goddard but you're going to start I think you can start both of them every single week I had Goddard I was teetering like going ranking Goddard higher than Ertz this week I ultimately landed like with Goddard right behind him. But um, I mean, obviously, after the game, I'm like, dang it, I should have stuck with Goddard because I was worried. I, I really was worried about Ertz coming into this game with that hamstring injury. Yeah, no, certainly not a great game for him. But uh, and I did confirm they do play each other. I believe it's the final week of the season. So uh, or something at some point coming up. So both teams control their own destiny. So hopefully they can both just lose the rest of their games until they have to play each other to see which side will uh, sneak in there between the Eagles and the Cowboys. Let's move on to the Bengals 22 and the Jets 6. Bengals get their first win of the year here with Andy Dalton back. It's not exactly a dominant performance, but you've got two guys who you want to start in Cincinnati. Tyler Boyd and Joe Mixon, and both get it done here. Mixon, just 19 for 44 on the ground. We did talk about how the Jets are a difficult run defense, but he does find the end zone. He has four catches for 26 yards. Tyler Boyd, 10 targets, five catches, 59 yards, and a touchdown. The Bengals have the Browns, the Patriots, and the Dolphins on tap. If you make it that far, are you starting both Mixon and Boyd in all of those matchups? I think you can. You know, Mixon, they've made a commitment to him, uh, getting 20-plus touches basically every single week now, uh, ever since Ryan Finley took over, and that's not going to change with Dalton under center. I would actually add Auden Tate as someone that I think is startable uh, most weeks, too. He has... There was only one game this season, well, ever since he came into the starting lineup, where he's seen fewer than six targets. So as long as... If you're getting six-plus targets, seven, eight targets, I mean, you're startable most weeks as like a wide receiver four. At least it gives you a floor performance, whereas Tyler Boyd is someone that's been a little bit more up and down. But yeah... I think you're going to start both of them in terms of Boyd and Mixon. Uh, but again, I will add Auden Tate with Andy Dalton under center. I would say that Auden Tate is in the mix for a top 45 wide receiver for the rest of the season. Yeah, Tate does lead the team in yards here with 66. He's seven targets and four catches. Yeah, he's, you know, with Dalton, I agree. He's somebody who you can take a look at if you're struggling at the position. But of course, I agree with you on Boyd. Um, Mixon, you were starting anyway. You were disappointed, but you were always starting him essentially as an RB2. I think a lot of owners were basically ready to kind of cut bait on Boyd. I mean, he had the bigger game last week, and then he follows this one up with another touchdown. So probably they were hanging on, but I know owners have been frustrated. I do think that he is a guy who you can start each and every week. Real quick, I do want to say that um, both CJ Uzama and Tyler Eifert dropped touchdowns in this game. So Andy Dalton's game should have been bigger than it was. Yeah, no, I mean, I'm sure you're not starting any. I mean, maybe you're in a two quarterback league and you're, you're really desperate at some point, but uh, it's certainly not something where you're going to be looking at Dalton or anything from a fantasy perspective. For those of you who took the Jets in your survivor pool or you started Jets players in your fantasy league, welcome to my life. This is what it is like to root for the Jets. The only decent player from a fantasy perspective is Robbie Anderson, who has seven catches for 101 yards. Everyone else is terrible. Sam Darnold, just 239 yards. Le'Veon Bell, just 67 total yards. Jameson Crowder, two catches for eight yards. So we can't trust Crowder anymore. We now know that for sure. But you're still starting Bell against the Dolphins next week, right, Tags? 
Uh, yes, you're, you're still starting him, but the, the disappearing snaps are worrisome. Uh, this is something that's been going on. It's now three weeks straight where they're, they've kind of cut him back to a guy that was playing like 90 plus percent of the snaps to a guy that's playing about 65%. And some people thought it was due to game script. I don't think it is. I think it has to do with Le'Veon Bell. And uh, I think that he might be better in a limited role in terms of like what, like what he can do. Uh, he's getting older. He had a lot of, a lot of miles on his body coming from Pittsburgh and, uh, playing behind this offensive line. I just feel like Le'Veon Bell is the type of guy, obviously he was willing to sit out a season, all that stuff. I, I feel like the guy, he's almost like, it is what it is at this point. And it's, he understands that he's not playing for a winning team and he's, he's stuck in the situation and he's fine getting himself pulled out of a game rather than like saying, no, I want to stay in the game. Like leave me in coach because he's dealing with a knee injury or whatever he's dealing with. And it's just, it's been an ongoing thing with him, but yes, you are starting him against the dolphins in the end. I think that's the main takeaway here though. I don't think you're insulting Le'Veon Bell tags. I know exactly what you're saying. He's a guy who sat out for an entire year. Like he's a guy who probably is, is looking after, you know, in, in some capacity, his ability to play his best interests and everything like that. He's got a long-term deal. He's going to be with the team for a while. So he wants to essentially to put it nicely, take care of himself. And I, I think that that's fine. And that might be what you're going to see, but I agree. You know, we've talked about it. Once you get past, you know, a certain level, I don't know what it is here. Top 12, maybe something like that. Everybody has warts. And even though Bell, has did not give you a big game here has you know not given you a ton of yardage pretty much at any point this entire season he's a guy you certainly have to keep rolling out there for now including next week against Miami before we go further I want to talk about HelloFresh so if you've listened to any of the podcasts that I have hosted over the past few years you know that I moved from the exciting and fast-paced life of New York City to the even more exciting and fast-paced life of New Hampshire it was a big change. We did it to be closer to my wife's family because we have young kids. And the thing was, though, when we moved here, my wife was barely able to survive. We had two little kids. It takes a lot out of you. She never wanted to cook. But we had heard good things about HelloFresh. We decided to try it, and we have not looked back. HelloFresh gives you easy, seasonal recipes and pre-measured ingredients delivered right to your door. Seriously, with their step-by-step instructions and their pre-measured ingredients, it not only takes only about a half hour to prepare a meal, Anyone can do it. Legitimately, I'm an embarrassment in the kitchen normally. It took me like two months to figure out how to make my kids an edible grilled cheese sandwich. But when my wife went back to work, I volunteered to take over some of the cooking, and I have zero problems making what amounts to an actually delicious meal. They have something for everyone. Seriously, they've got family recipes, calorie smart, vegetarian, and they offer fun menu series like Hall of Fame and Kraft Burgers. And the calorie smart ones, which my wife loves and makes me eat anyway so that I will, quote, live longer, unquote, are delicious. This week, I'm on duty for the crispy maple mustard chicken, which is my favorite calorie smart meal, and I'm going to crush it. not going to lie. It's also crazy flexible. My wife works part-time now, as I mentioned, so we started changing up the delivery days. And when we're out of town on vacation, we just skip a week. And right now, you can get nine free meals by going to HelloFresh.com slash pros9 and using our promo code pros9. That's HelloFresh.com slash pros9, promo code pros9. All right, Tags, let's keep going here with the Titans 31, Colts 17. Quiet day from the passing game for the Titans as Ryan Tannehill throws for just 182 yards. He does throw for two touchdowns, however. Derrick Henry loses the early fumble, but 26 carries for 149 yards on the ground with a score. He adds three catches for 17 yards, and no Titans receiver goes for more than 45 yards. So I feel like this is just kind of what the Titans are now, right? Derrick Henry is a monster and a guaranteed RB1 each and every week. 
Ryan Tannehill is a streaming quarterback, and he's got some good matchups left. And you can't start any Titans receiver. Is there anything that you want to add to that? It's so weird, right, that we have Ryan Tannehill doing what he's doing and no Titans receiver is trust, like no receiver or tight end is trustworthy for Tannehill, but he continually puts up. Like, I think today it was it was just above 15 fantasy points. But, I mean, in the starts he's had, it's six starts now. He's scored at least 19 fantasy points in five of them. And then, like, again, 15 points in this one. So, He's been producing, but the receivers just aren't there. I mean, Corey Davis, two targets. A.J. Brown, four targets. Uh, Jonu Smith, we figured he'd have a bigger part of the offense with uh, Delaney Walker going to IR officially, but no, two targets. It's just they're playing the Raiders this week, so it's going to be very tempting for me not to rank Corey Davis and A.J. Brown as wide receiver fours, but, I mean, we just have to look at this and say Ryan Tannehill's just been extremely efficient with what he's doing, and he's, he's spreading around the targets, so... Tannehill and Henry are the only ones that you could trust to start. No tight ends. And even though, again, even though the the matchup against the Raiders is coming up, that's been a matchup where you can throw on them. Like, you can do that. And Tannehill might, but he's the only, like, I would actually trust him moving forward. He provides a floor. Like, you know, if Sam Darnold has a bad day or, you know, Derek Carr has a bad day or some of these other streaming quarterbacks that people are contemplating, Nick Foles, they, if they have a bad passing day, they have nowhere to go in terms they have no floor and Ryan Tannehill on the other on the other end of that spectrum if he has a bad passing game he can bring it to the ground and he can actually make yardage with his legs so that's why he's a better streaming option than those guys I had him ranked as a top 12 quarterback this week and I I felt bad about it Dan because I there were the ECR on him was like 18 and I didn't understand why uh so I mean I don't I don't think he he wound up finishing top 12 but he's provided a stable floor and I'm willing to trust him against the Raiders next week He's legitimately one of the safest quarterbacks in all of fantasy football, which is crazy to think about when you, but you know, he's, I mean, look, he's playing very, very well. You know, you watch him, he's accurate right now. He's confident. He's just looks very, very good. So, you know, it's weird that you can't start any wide receiver or pass catching option at all confidently, but in terms of him, yeah, absolutely. If you are, you know, sort of struggling at, at quarterback, if you made the playoffs, like you go ahead, you can pick, he's available in most leagues. You can pick him up and not worry too much about it, even in one quarterback leagues. For the Colts, the Jonathan Williams love ends pretty quickly. Williams has eight carries for 14 yards and one catch for 11 yards. Meanwhile, Jordan Wilkins sees 11 carries for 47 yards plus two catches for nine yards. Here's the thing. It's a matchup with the Bucks coming up. That's terrible for running backs. Marlon Mack, uh, you know, there was a report this morning that he's shooting for a return next week anyway. So instead of those guys, let's talk briefly about Naheem Hines. You had him mentioned in your early waiver wire column. Four carries for 22 yards and a score, plus two catches for 18 yards. You think he'll be worth starting next week, Tags, and going forward in deeper leagues or what? <sighs> it's ugly. I mean, you would think so. Uh, the reason I say that is because, you know, not only do you have T.Y. Hilton in danger and missing the game because he was announced out on Thursday. Like, that's not even... He he wasn't even close to playing, essentially. You have Paris Campbell, who didn't play this week. He, he's expected back next week. Chester Rogers got hurt during this game. Eric Ebron is on IR. They're going against Tampa Bay. I mean, this is a team that faces, uh, I think it's over 41 pass attempts per game. There's only been four games this year where Jacoby Brissett has thrown the ball more than 29 times. This is probably one of those games. So you, you want to think that Naheem Hines would be a lot more involved but despite all of these injuries going on, he has still yet to top 11 touches in a game. That's tough. It, it's really tough to rely on him as anything more than like an RB4 in PPR formats. Like he should provide a stable floor, but I just, I mean, for whatever reason, Frank Reich is just not using him in a, in a bigger role despite all these injuries. And he's been efficient with his touches. There's really nothing against him in that aspect. So, 
I, I do think he's if you're you know really hurting at the running back position, he can give you a, a stable floor, and you're just kind of hoping for a bigger role. But that's kind of where we're at. All right, let's move on to the Steelers. Twenty Browns, thirteen. Benny Snell again dominates the carries with James Conner out. Sixteen carries for sixty-three yards and a touchdown. Connor was doubtful here, but he's obviously trending in the right direction. If Connor's out again, I assume you're okay in a deeper league starting Snell against the Cardinals next week. Yeah, I guess I. <laughs> This was like the worst game ever. Every time like I would turn on this game, I would just be like, why am I watching this? Like, I honestly, it was, and I kind of knew this was going to happen. Like, this is one of those games for betting pros where I put on the under. Uh, I had the Steelers. I just felt like it was going to be one of those grinded out games and that the Steelers defense would win the game. And I mean, I know Devlin Hodges finishes with 212 yards and a touchdown, but the one touchdown to James Washington, it was really on James Washington uh, on, you know, a a catch that it's kind of what he did really well in college. He's he's a guy that tracks the deep ball extremely well. He catches over the shoulder. He he caught that ball while being interfered with. Okay, well, uh, let's talk about that for a second, because if if Juju Smith-Schuster is out again next week, you know, this is now the second good game for Washington with Hodges throwing in the ball. Can you start Washington next week? I don't even want to think about doing that if I don't have to, but it's not like the worst idea because Arizona is just awful. So yeah, I guess you would think about it. Like if you're looking at James Washington and someone like Corey Davis or AJ Brown, I think you probably have to go with Washington. Arizona has been a better run defense than they have been a pass defense. So I, yeah, I guess I, I don't like saying it <laughs> because it's like you think about the fantasy playoffs and are, are you going to start a guy that just got four targets in a game? Now, the Browns are a tougher matchup on the perimeter than the Cardinals are, but it's still something to monitor. But I usually chase the targets. I think I'd rather have Auden Tate than both of them, but uh, they're all in that wide receiver four conversation. Look, man, when you're a fantasy analyst, you got to say a lot of things you really don't want to say, Tags. And, uh, yeah, no, I'm with you. I, he's in that range where I'd give him a look. I, I certainly would. I mean, the Cardinals obviously got completely gashed today by the Rams and uh, Jared Goff in the passing attack. So I think Washington is a guy who, if you're struggling, you got to at least look in that range, you know, with Tate and something like that. And a guy who, if you have to start him, then you got to start him. Uh, for the Browns, it's just not good. Tags. I mean, it's a strong Pittsburgh defense. That's fine. But Baker Mayfield, I mean, he bangs up his hand a little bit there at the end of the first half. I'm not sure whether or not that affected him the rest of the game. Just 196 yards passing with a touchdown, two turnovers. That touchdown goes to Kareem Hunt, who totaled 65 yards. Nick Chubb held in check, just 79 total yards. And But as we often do, Tags, let's talk about Odell Beckham Jr. Six targets, three catches, 29 yards. The Bengals and the Cardinals are on deck. Are you still loving you? Some Odell Beckham Jr. tags. <laughs> I've gotten to the point now where I, I really do wonder if Jarvis Landry is the one I would rather own moving forward. Uh, Beckham had given a high floor. Like, he's been a, a floor performer. I know this week doesn't show it. Like, three catches for 29 yards is terrible. But Pittsburgh has been a tough matchup for wide receivers. But Jarvis Landry continually gets double-digit targets. He's producing. And I, I went back to this and saying that, if you remember, like, Jarvis Landry was terrible last year with Baker Mayfield. And all of a sudden... Jarvis Landry is like performing week in, week out. He's like one of the most efficient wide receivers in football. And Odell Beckham is is now taking on that Jarvis Landry role. And you wonder if it just takes time for Baker to gel with his wide receivers. So that's possible. But yeah, I mean, you're obviously starting Odell Beckham moving forward. I'm not really that concerned about him. Again, this was the, the last tough matchup that he was going to have on his schedule. He hasn't exactly smashed in the matchups he's supposed to. But um, yeah, I'm, you're obviously still playing him. You're at a point right now where if you have Beckham and you've made the playoffs, I mean... This is kind of what you've been hoping for. These matchups coming up, you've got to throw them out there. I doubt you're not. If you own them, you you know we're past all the trade deadlines and everything like that. But 
Certainly been a disappointing season, Tags, and I'd just like to nudge you a little bit because you have been one of his foremost defenders. With uh, Look, I'm, I'm not all that far away from you, but certainly a little frustrating. Redskins 29, Panthers 21. Look at those Redskins tags. Darius Geis, 10 carries, 129 yards, and two touchdowns. Adrian Peterson, 13 carries, 99 yards, and a touchdown. It's a great matchup against the Panthers that they had. They basically split carries. Can you start either one of these guys next week against the Packers? I think you can uh, like I, those are guys that I would rather start than anybody in the Colts right now, just because it's like, at least we're, we get the chance that they, you know, they get a goal line touch like Adrian Peterson can still get it done. The goal line, Darius guys uh, doing some work, uh, breaking some tackles. Like it's, it's really odd though, because Chris Thompson did come back. And if you were to tell somebody before this game that Darius guys was only going to get uh, 12 touches, Adrian Peterson would get 13 touches. Would you want to start them? And I'd say, well, Carolina has allowed a lot of touchdowns to running back. So I would contemplate it, but no, I don't think anybody would have expected those two to combine for over 220 yards and three touchdowns with those types of touches. Uh, the Packers have struggled against the run this year. They're in, they're going to be an RB. Th- well, Darius guys will be the one that I'd prefer of the two, just because he's a little bit more involved in the passing game. But I'll say Peterson is going to be like a high-end RB4, Geis a low-end RB3. They're still going to split carries, clearly. Yeah, I I think Geis will be a little higher than that for me, but I agree. That's around the range. You can start him. You can get him out there. I mean, he looked good, and it is a, a relatively soft matchup. Just, you know, you worry a little bit about game flow getting away from them next week against the Packers. But as you mentioned, Geis is a little bit involved in the passing game, at least. Tags real quick. Can you drop Terry McLaurin at this point? Four targets, two catches, eight yards. Oh, this is... You can drop him, Tags. Say it. Just say it. Well, I don't, <laughs> it's really <laughs> tough because I look at their schedule and believe me, I've thought about it and I see, I see Green Bay on there. I see Philadelphia and I see the Giants. These are matchups that can be won, but it's, it's relying on Dwayne Haskins to get in the ball. It's almost like one of those things you have to just kind of like deal with. And it, it's one of those things that I feel like Cortland Sutton's going to go through too. Cortland Sutton, we're going to talk about him in a minute, but the guy is phenomenal, right? Corlin Sutton's a stud, but at some point quarterback play does catch up and that's the worst thing in, in fantasy playoffs. So ideally you don't have to rely on Terry McLaurin as anything more than like an emergency replacement. Like if someone like Adam Thielen is announced as out for whatever reason, uh, two hours after, you know, lineup start, that's when you would want to rely on someone him like him, like Terry McLaurin. But it sucks. I mean, we saw the floor, right? We saw it with Cortland Sutton last week. It was, uh, he had, what was it? Eight targets, one catch or something like that for whatever it was. And, uh, like that's that's the tough part is you're gonna have to live with that stuff and it seems like it happens with McLaurin it seems like the good performances are are the ones that are like the outliers so you don't want to rely on that in the fantasy playoffs you can help it yeah I'm gonna give a much shorter answer to that question and the answer is yes you can drop Terry McLaurin (laughs) I get it I I mean I get it there who would you drop him for what's a name give me a name that is like on the borderline where you would drop him for would you drop him for Anthony Miller okay that's fair um probably not Miller Auden Tate I'll drop him for Auden Tate what about James Washington yeah, I probably will at this point, Tag. So there's just no way at this point. And again, we're talking about the alternative being Duck Hodges. So this is <laughs> a really great. low bar. I Not great, Bob. I, I really think that Dwayne Haskins is sort of like at a level unto himself. I, I mean, look, I'm fine. If you were sitting there with McLaurin and you were like, oh, I can drop him for James Washington, I wouldn't be like, yes, run out there and make that move or anything <laughs> like that. But for me, yeah, I probably would at this point, I, you know. 
this is just, you know, I, I'll take the devil I don't know over the devil I do at this point because the one that I do is not working for me. So it's not good. All right, let's move on to the Panthers here. I'll be honest, Tags. I did not watch this game, but every single time I checked in on it, Kyle Allen was either being sacked or missing his receivers by a ton. So from a fantasy perspective, though, he gets it done. Two passing touchdowns and a rushing touchdown. You get the rare non-dominant game from Christian McCaffrey. He still goes for 102 yards. And DJ Moore catches the early touchdown pass and then gets some late work, thankfully, to get up to 75 yards receiving. Curtis Samuel also gets back in the end zone, 65 yards. Everyone kind of chipped in here from a fantasy perspective tags, but it still kind of just feels like a disappointing day and should have been more. Any takeaways here from the Panthers? There's some serious talent on this roster, and I can't wait to see what, what they do. You know, a lot of people knew that Cam Newton wasn't getting it done. He's he struggled as a passer throughout his career. He's losing some of that mobility, so he's not as uh, imposing to an opposing defense. But, like, looking looking forward, it's like Kyle Allen's not the answer. I, th- I think we can all agree on that, that he's not the guy that's going to lead you to a championship and you don't have a good enough team, uh, like, particularly the defense to to win a championship with him but the question is what do they do because you look at DJ Moore the guy's a superstar like he can play all over the field he's he's a guy that can get it done after the catch uh, obviously you know he's played that number one role in this offense Curtis Samuel is a guy that can get open deep he can he can create separation but Kyle Allen's really struggled to throw the deep ball he's the worst deep uh, deep passer in the in the NFL and that's why Curtis Samuel hasn't hasn't scored with the targets that he's had and that's why he struggled so much Christian McCaffrey's obviously a stud so it's like I can't wait to see what this offense can do when they have a quarterback who's I mean, Kyle Allen was competent for part of it, but I feel like this team can be a lot better in terms of like what they bring to the table on offense. I don't want to see Ron Rivera fired, but I I do want to see... I almost want to see someone else brought in. Like, if it, let's say that they decide to not pick up the option on Cam Newton and, and kind of move on in a different direction. Do they sign someone like Andy Dalton and say, can you run this offense better than Kyle Allen can? And I'd say yes. I'd say the Bears are in a position where they should sign someone like Andy Dalton and give Mitch Trubisky some uh, competition on the roster. Like, that's a guy that I would bring in because I believe that, that he's a competent NFL quarterback that that can get it done. He's not he's not someone's going to carry your football team, but he's also not going to lose you games like Kyle Allen has at times. Yeah, no, I agree. I, I think Allen has shown enough here to show everybody that he is not the answer, regardless of Cam Newton. So I agree. You bring in just sort of a, a replacement level, normal, you know, uh, quarterback, somebody like Dalton. And I bet that this team is a playoff team um, because they do. DJ Moore is one of my favorite players uh, in the NFL. I just think the guy is so talented. So, yeah, I agree. But again, you're you know, you're able to start these guys. They're still giving you week in and week out production. So you've at least got that for the rest of the season. Let's move on to the Packers 31 and the Giants 13. Now, I was watching this game pretty closely. And part of the reason was because the Packers laying six and a half was one of our top bets that we listed on Thursday's Betting Pros NFL podcast. Now, we do two of these each week. You can find them over at bettingpros.com slash podcast. We do two shows each week. On Monday, we give our early reaction to the Lions for the following week's games. And on Thursday, we give some of our best picks, some prop bets, things like that. So if you subscribe on Monday night, you're going to hear me and a guest looking at every game on the week 14 slate. And we're going to give you our thoughts. And again, a lot of it is relevant to fantasy as well because we kind of break down the games and what we can expect on both sides of the ball. And also, like the Fantasy Pros podcast, we do plenty of helmet giveaways over there. When you leave a review for the show on Apple Podcasts or Stitcher, and you send a screenshot of the review to contest at bettingpros.com. So go over, give it a listen. It's a it's a good time, I promise. So this is a predictable bounce-back game here from Aaron Rodgers. He throws for 243 yards and four touchdowns, two to Devontae Adams, who has six catches for 64 yards, one to Alan Lazard, who catches all three of his targets, 
for 103 yards, but the running backs are really the story here. Tags Aaron Jones, 11 carries, just 19 yards. He chips in four catches, but just 13 yards. Jamal Williams, meanwhile, looks much better. 10 for 41 on the ground, four catches for 26 yards through the air. Jones had just 38 yards last week. Tags, how are you feeling about this Packers backfield? Oh, I mean, this was a weird game in the snow, um, obviously. So it's going to like change some of the outputs that like players would have and may not have had uh, Aaron Jones. It's not like he ran poorly, but the offensive line wasn't blocking particularly well. He did have a couple carries near the goal line, lost yardage because he was hit in the backfield. I think he had a carry of nine yards at some point. So like basically he had 10 other carries that amounted for nine yards. It was it was not a good game for Aaron Jones, but it wasn't really all on him, though, because he was just getting repeatedly hit in the backfield. They do want to involve him more and you can see that they tried to involve more in the passing game this was just a it's just a weird game in terms of like the snow and what it allowed them to do this could have been a game where if this was a dry field I I truly believe that Aaron Rodgers would have thrown for 400 yards and six touchdowns it was like that type of game plan where they came out like that and uh, I, I know that he still put up competent totals but it could have been so much bigger I'm not worried about Aaron Jones so much the fact that they continually talk about getting him the ball more especially in the passing game it tells me that they it is something that that they understand that's lacking a little bit as of late. And why should we doubt them? Like they've been honest about the whole idea that, Oh, we want to get Jamal Williams more involved in the offense. And we want to keep it near a 50, 50 split and this and that. And they, they continually did that. So I'm not necessarily worried about that. The only wide receiver on this team, Devonte Adams, is the only one you can trust. Alan Lazard looks really good, but I mean, when you get three targets, I know he put up 103 yards and a touchdown, but can you trust that walking into the fantasy playoffs outside of an emergency situation? Probably not, but he is operating as the number two receiver for Rodgers. So he's one of those guys that I definitely keep him on my fantasy bench. He's one of those like high priority wide receivers that if something happened to Devonte Adams and he had to miss more time, Lazard would walk into a role where he's seeing six plus targets and I'd start him. Meanwhile, on the other side of the ball, Saquon Barkley totals 115 yards and with no golden tate sterling shepherd goes for 40 yards and a touchdown you tweeted it out it was shepherd's first touchdown of his career on the perimeter there was some thought that shepherd wouldn't even make it back this season from his concussion but now he's got the eagles the dolphins and the redskins left how do you feel about sterling shepherd going forward i like him i mean he even with golden tate in the lineup he's seeing seven plus targets nine targets in some of those games so uh the targets are there saquon barkley's obviously not carrying this team the way that some people thought but again we still have yet to see a, a game with with Barkley, with Ingram, with Tate, with Shepard all on the field at the same time. And it's like teams are going to have trouble trying to figure out, you know, like the game plan and what the Giants are going to do. But it seems like Sterling Shepard has been a constant favorite of Daniel Jones. So, I mean, he's going to be in that wide receiver three, wide receiver four territory most weeks. And uh, yeah, I mean, like it's it's a high floor performer. You may not get a massive ceiling, but he should come with a decent floor most weeks. All right, let's move on to the Ravens 20-49 or 17, a game that totally lived up to the hype, even in the awful weather. Lamar Jackson just 105 yards passing and a touchdown, but he does add 101 yards rushing and a touchdown. He does lose a fumble, but there's almost nothing else going on offensively for the Ravens, understandably against the good defense and in the bad weather. Mark Ingram, 15 for 59 on the ground. Mark Andrews, three catches, 50 yards and the score. Hollywood Brown, just one catch for one yard. Not sure there's too much to take away here from for the Ravens tags other than just enjoying Lamar Jackson. Just enjoy watching them play. Honestly, it's a different brand of football. And I understand that some people, maybe it's not for everybody because like there was a time where I was, I always wanted to see the pocket passers. I wanted to watch Peyton Manning. I didn't want to watch Michael Vick. And uh, I've, I've come, it's come to the point where Lamar Jackson, where it is so fun watching him play football. Like the guy is uh, the, the the broadcaster today. I can't remember who it was, but he compared him to Barry Sanders. And I was like, that's not don't do that. But he's he's just like a lightning player in terms of like just un, just appreciate what it is you're watching. He may not be the best passer in the league. He may not be, but he's he's 
he's thrown competently. And that's basically, if he can throw competently with the way that he's running the football, this team is like very hard to stop um, because you have to assign a spy and then you're basically, uh, you're keeping six, seven men in the box to, to defend against Mark Ingram who could run the ball very well. They haven't really taken many shots down the field to Marquise Brown. And maybe that's like one of those things where it's like, we're going to continue to draw defenders up. We're going to force them to bring everybody. We're going to force them to bring their safeties down into the box. And then we're going to open up the offense and, and beat them that way. I'm waiting to see it because if if Marquise Brown starts getting some targets down the field with Lamar Jackson getting all this attention, this offense could simply explode. And Marquise Brown is like kind of like, I don't want to say Will Fuller-esque type players. I think he's actually a better receiver than Will Fuller. But in terms of like getting the targets down the field and having that one play upside where he's a guy I keep my roster and uh, contemplate playing most weeks just because of the upside that he can bring. Uh, look at the schedule. Buffalo, that's a brutal matchup for receivers. But then you have the Jets and you have uh, the Browns after that. So, yeah, um, it, it just, like this is just such a fun offense to watch. But Marquise Brown, unfortunately, I, I'd probably keep him on the bench for week 14. Everything about what the Ravens have done this season is awesome. I mean, really awesome to completely reinventing the offense to Harbaugh getting, you know, going with analytics and, and being far more aggressive on fourth down and everything like that. But really right now, it's just, it's really difficult to see anyone beating them just with the way they're playing on both sides of the ball. But in terms of Hollywood Brown, yeah, I agree. There's going to be a boom game, maybe two or something like that, but it's a little difficult to rely on him. Just sit back. If you own Lamar Jackson, you are in the playoffs and uh, enjoy what you're watching. On the other side of the ball, I mean, it was all Raheem Mostert, 19 carries, 146 yards and a touchdown. Tevin Coleman, who has not run well of late, only five carries for six yards. It's a terrible matchup against the Saints next week. Matt Breida may be back. He was almost back for this game. So what do you do with the San Francisco running backs? Do you just avoid all of them? <sighs> yeah, probably. <laughs> probably. That's probably the best answer that you can give, Dan. You know, just when we think we can trust Mostert, it'll be Matt Breida. And when we think it'll be Matt Breida, it'll be Tevin Coleman. And I mean, if you were to look through their game logs, I'm pretty sure there's four different running backs that have led this team in rushing uh, throughout the year. You have a week from every running back, essentially. And going into a tough matchup, it's going to be difficult to trust any of them. But Mostert, I said this, I thought Mostert was probably the most talented running back on this team, and he deserved more touches than Tevin Coleman. But so I'm, I'm happy to see it come to life. I, I don't expect it to continue, unfortunately, because that's just been Kyle Shanahan's M.O. since uh, he took over this 49ers job. Real quick, Debo Samuel, 41 yards in the score, four straight games with at least 112 yards or a touchdown. Can you start him going forward? Yeah, uh, this was a tough matchup, and you know, but he was removed from the injury report, which is like a big thing in the, a step in the right direction. I haven't seen the snap counts for this game quite yet, but knowing Emmanuel Sanders saw six targets, I'm guessing that he was probably back into his full-time role. Uh, but both of these guys, like Jimmy Garoppolo, has supported a couple fantasy-relevant wide receivers. And again, the matchup against Baltimore, I didn't expect too much. But I said that Debo Samuel might be the best 49ers wide receiver for the remainder of the season, just because with Emmanuel Sanders kind of battling through that rib cartilage injury. So, yeah, um, this is actually a really, it's a good fantasy result. Like, obviously, two catches is not a great game, but uh, fantasy result-wise, you'll take it from Debo Samuel. And he's kind of teetering on that wide receiver, three wide receiver, four territory. Yep, I completely agree. Let's move on here to the Bucks 28, Jaguars 11. We broke down this game almost in its entirety uh, with your winners and losers, but Jameis Winston plays pretty well, does not find the end zone, and of course loses his fumble. Nothing done in the passing game for the receivers. We talked about OJ Howard already. Mike Evans just 53 yards, Chris Godwin just 50 yards. Any other takeaways here from the Bucks side or move on to the Jaguars? We already talked about Ronald Jones and Peyton Barber. I don't want to talk about it anymore. Yeah, let's just talk about the Jags. 
Sounds good to me. Uh, you said switching from Gardner Minshew to Nick Foles was a bad idea, and it looks like you were correct. Foles was dreadful. Benched at the half. Gardner Minshew takes over, throws for 147 yards, and a score to D.D. Westbrook, who is your leading receiver at 60 yards and a score tags. Let's just briefly talk about the receivers here. Westbrook has the 60 yards on eight targets and five catches. Chris Conley, five targets, four catches, 57 yards. D.J. Chark, Five targets, two catches, 47 yards. Three of the last four games tags, he's got 47 yards or less. Are you still starting Chark confidently? I am. If Minshew's back under center with Foles, I can't trust him as far as I can throw him. Foles, I, I kind of felt like Nostradamus this morning, actually, because someone asked me, they're like, should I start? It, they asked me if it was, I think, I, I want to say it was Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers or Foles because the, the weather issues going on with Green Bay and New York. And I'm like, I'm not too worried about it. I was like, I've dropped him like a couple spots, but nothing crazy. Uh, I was like, I wouldn't be able to live my with myself if I played Foles over Rodgers and Rodgers goes off. And I was like, realistically, Nick Foles, with the way he's playing, he could get benched in this game. Like, I know it's Tampa Bay, and but I'm telling you that Nick Foles has been bad enough where he might get benched for Minshew. And it happened. And I'm like, I feel kind of smart. You know, like when that stuff happens, you're like, wow, um, it did happen. But I, I don't know if the Jaguars are going to stick with with Minshew because they've paid Nick Foles so much money. Uh, they were bidding against nobody in free agency and they're going to kind of pay for this. Doug Marone's going to get fired. Uh, this team is just in complete disarray right now. But the bottom line is that I feel like I feel like Nick Foles is the Josh Rosen of this offense where it's like when he's playing, I don't know how, who I can, I don't know who I can trust where if Minshew's playing, at least I know I can trust uh, someone like DJ Chark to get enough targets to be fantasy relevant. That's fair to say. And I guess we'll all just need to wait and see who's starting next week. The only person you can trust in this offense for sure, regardless is Leonard Fournette, who does very little on the ground, but sees 11 targets, nine catches and 53 yards uh, through the air. So he saves his day as he almost always does. With that, let's move on to the late games here. And the Rams 34 and the Cardinals 7. Jared Goff bounces back in a big way, 424 yards passing. Only two touchdowns, uh, one to Tyler Higby, who, of course, was a tight end playing the Cardinals, so you knew he'd be fine, and Cooper Cup. But uh, let's talk about Robert Woods here. 19 targets, 13 catches, 172 yards. I mean, this has obviously been missing all season. Are you trusting Robert Woods going forward? Uh, only in good matchups. Uh, I, I did like Woods this week an awful lot. Um, and, and I liked Goff too. I had Goff as my number seven quarterback on the week. I kept looking at it and thinking like someone else is going to catch on to this. Someone else is going to be with me. And no one ever came around to it. Like his ECR stayed around like 15 or 16 uh, and I was worried about it, and I was like, whatever, I'm playing him in DFS, I'm, I'm going for it, and I'm, I'm obviously happy it worked out. Uh, but looking at the head of the schedule, they have Seattle. That's a team that he's played per, like pretty well against. Uh, that's not like a, a worrisome defense. After that, it's Dallas, and then it's San Francisco. So I would trust him in Week 14, yes, uh, but after that, no. After that, I'm kind of fading the entire offense. I think that all of that is absolutely fair to do. On the other side of the ball, look, it... I mean, Kyler Murray was just running for his life the entire game. He was sacked six times, throws for only 163 yards and a pick. He does run for a touchdown, and it really just shows his athleticism, um, how he was able to get that done. Look, on the ground, Kenyon Drake, 13 carries for 31 yards. David Johnson, four carries for 15 yards. I don't know if we've talked about it. Can you drop David Johnson at this point? Like, is there any hope that he's going to do anything remainder of the season? Nope. Absolutely not. Like I, I said this a couple weeks ago, and people were like, "No, you can't drop David Johnson." I'm like, "I think you can." I don't think I don't know if you're ever going to trust him again. Um, they they have three running backs healthy now. Uh, Chase Edmonds is healthy. He'll be active next week, and yeah, I think David Johnson's droppable, unfortunately. Yeah, no, I I agree. I mean, it, it's hard to do, but in the end, right? I, I highly doubt uh, that he's going to provide any fantasy value 
going forward. Anybody else? Are you starting Fitz? He has a decent game here, 56 yards receiving, or is he just it doesn't have the ceiling to warrant starting? Right. Uh, it's it's more about like looking, like you said, when you when you're starting a player like Fitz, you have to think, does his floor is his floor high enough to justify a lack of ceiling? And the answer is probably no. Uh, they're going against Pittsburgh next week. That's been a tough matchup for wide receivers. Cleveland after that, it's a decent matchup. And then Seattle to close it out. So 15 and 16 aren't the worst matchups for him. But week 14, he is what he is at this point, where it's like if you have some high variance options in your wide receiver one and wide receiver two spot, you want some stability, I guess. But his floor hasn't even really been that high this year. It's almost like you approach him like Cole Beasley. That's I know it sounds weird, but that's the type of player that he is in fantasy football right now. No, I think that's a really good comp. He's a guy who I, I really liked coming into the year. He started off great. But yeah, he just doesn't have it right now. It's really difficult if you've made the playoffs to continue to throw him out there. Let's move on to the Chiefs 40, Raiders 9. Kind of a weird game here for the Chiefs offense. I mean, it was windy. They had the game well in hand. They had a defensive score. But Patrick Mahomes, and you know, what's a great matchup at home, just 175 yards passing and one touchdown. He does run for a touchdown, as does Darwin Thompson, who sees the most carries, 11 for 44 yards. LaShawn McCoy also finds the end zone, but just five carries for 10 yards uh nobody really does anything in the air the one receiving touchdown is by daryl williams so all the running backs get involved travis kelsey's your leading receiver with five catches for 90 yards tyree kill held in check five catches for 55 yards so i mean let's assume damian williams is out who if anyone are you starting from that backfield next week it seems like daryl williams that's probably a uh, that's probably a season-ending injury i think it was non-contact i can't imagine he's going to be okay uh, so you're probably looking at McCoy and Darwin Thompson taking the backfield. And I mean, looking at it, I, Darwin Thompson, out to 11 carries to five. Uh, I know this game was like really, it was kind of a blowout throughout. So it's not like there was any competition. So that could have played into it. I think it's going to be somewhat of a timeshare where you're probably going to see a 50, 50 split between the two, but I'm at the point now where I might just take the upside with Darwin Thompson uh, because LaShawn McCoy is clearly not trusted with more than like a 12 touch role in this offense. They want to monitor. They want to monitor him and like limit his touches because he's a veteran. They give him a week off because he's a veteran. I think it's a bunch of crap, but whatever. Um, Darwin Thompson would probably be my preferred option. Yeah, I mean, look, you know, I don't know what the prognosis is here for Damian Williams tags. Do we know, by the way, if he's supposed to come back next week or how bad the rib injury is? No, I don't. Uh, but I know he didn't practice, obviously, at all this week. And he was he was announced out like early. Uh, whenever a player is announced out days before the game, you always have to wonder about their next week's availability. So uh, I would plan on being without him for another week. If he's active, it just creates a stupid timeshare that uh, and they play New England next week, right? Yes, I believe so. Yeah, that's not that's not a good time. So it's it honestly it's probably best to just be just be prepared to not play any of them next week. Yeah, on the other side of the ball, it's kind of what you expect. Josh Jacobs, seventeen carries for one hundred four yards. I mean, eventually they just fell too far behind to continue to get in the ball. Darren Waller, ten targets, seven catches for a hundred yards, and Derek Carr, who never plays well when the temperature is below fifty degrees, two hundred twenty-two yards passing, one touchdown, and two interceptions. I mean. I guess the takeaway for me is, can you drop Tyrell Williams? Three targets, one catch, nine yards. <laughs> I, I said this, though, about the Chiefs in terms of like what they do. People continually underestimate what their cornerbacks in the perimeter have done. And, and Tyrell Williams isn't playing in the slot like basically at all. He did get a bump in uh, Week 12 when Hunter Renfro went down. So I was wondering if it would carry through, and I'll have to go back and watch this game and see how much he played in the slot. But Tyrell Williams has been a massive disappointment. Without those touchdowns at the beginning of the year, people would look at him. It's basically how I felt about him coming into the year. I didn't like him, and then I was like, well, I'm proven wrong. 
after the first three weeks because he kept scoring and whatever. But his as the year has gone on, he's just gotten worse and worse and worse. His target floor in this game, I figured it would be at least six targets. So I did rank him inside my top 36 wide receivers, but I also didn't have sky high hopes for him. Darren Waller was the guy that was like the main beneficiary of Hunter Renfro being out for multiple weeks because before Renfro was like heavily involved in the offense, we saw Waller uh, like continually getting seven, eight, you know, double digit targets. But the the biggest loser for me in this game is Josh Jacobs. And I pointed it out in the primer this week in, in games that the Raiders lose. He averages, I think it's like nine point something PPR points per game. And knowing in this game, he didn't have a single catch. He did tally 104 yards, but again, in PPR formats, that's 10.4 points. He didn't do anything through the air. That is crushing, absolutely crushing. And it's the stupidest thing, Dan, because when I was like watching college prospects coming into the NFL draft, Josh Jacobs was like the guy that I compared him to like a Pierre Thomas type player. He's he's such a good receiver, and I have no idea why they're taking him off the field. The Raiders have done a lot of good things this year, so I guess I shouldn't second guess everything, but not playing the guy in all three downs makes absolutely zero sense to me. And the thing is, they keep giving you these little tidbits of thinking maybe they'll get him more involved, right? He'll have three catches here, two catches there, something like that. He'll get a few targets. And then they just never follow through with it. So it certainly caps his ceiling uh, somewhat. But, you know, in the end, again, you're still starting him each and every week uh, if you own him because he is extremely talented uh, and he runs uh, extremely well despite his lack of involvement in the passing game. Let's finish up here with the Broncos 23, Chargers 20 tags. Were you able to see what happened at the end? Because we were recording and all I know is people freaked out. I did. Um, so basically what happened is the Chargers kicked a field goal to tie the game and there was like, it was under half a minute left and it was like, okay, this game's going to overtime. I want to say it was like 21 seconds or something like that. And <laughs> so Denver gets the ball, Drew Locke, basically they're, they're, they throw the ball like down the field to Cortland Sutton along the sideline, hoping to draw either obviously catch the ball or draw like a pass interference call. And they did call pass interference on Casey Hayward leading to a game winning field goal. Uh, that was, I don't know the distance of it. It didn't, it didn't, it wasn't a short field goal, but the, he made it at the end of regulation ending the game. So, Denver with Drew Locke at quarterback beating the Chargers. I mean, is Phillip Rivers going to get benched? I mean, there was all the talk before the game that it could be Tyrod Taylor. I mean, it might be different if you had a kid that you wanted to take a look at. I mean, you know what Tyrod Taylor is at this point, right? So I feel like you let him play out the season, and then you find a way to move on because he's certainly not getting it done. Who is getting it done, though, is Cortland Sutton. As you mentioned, five targets, four catches, 74 yards, more than half of Drew Locke's receiving yards, and two touchdowns. I mean, what do you want to say about Sutton here, Tex? Cortland Sutton is like, he's playing out of his friggin' mind. Like, if Cortland Sutton were playing with, a, like, an actual NFL quarterback, like, I, there's a lot of quarterbacks that I could name right now, but he is playing like a stud, like a guy that could be a superstar, like legitimate, like top 10 wide receiver in the NFL. He, with the way he's playing, he might already be there to be honest with you. But like, I've been, he was someone that this is one of those guys. I'll admit that I was hundred percent wrong on. I said, I, I would have no stock in Cortland Sutton, not because I didn't think that he could develop into a receiver, but more because I didn't want to tie myself to a receiver that was tied to Joe Flacco and a very bad vanilla offense. And uh, he's overcome so much this year, playing with three different quarterbacks, getting it done with every single one. And even getting it done in this game with five targets against the Chargers, who have been really, really good against wide receivers, especially Casey Hayward. So, uh, man, what a stud. Yeah, he is really, I mean, this has been fun to watch with this breakout. And again, you keep you keep basically like, well, he's not going to be able to get it done with 
Brandon Allen throwing him the ball or Drew Locke throwing him the ball, but he really right now is kind of quarterback proof, which is great to see. Uh, on the other side of the ball, pretty much everybody has a decent fantasy game that you want to. Melvin Gordon carries the ball 20 times for 99 yards. He adds two catches for 11 yards. Austin Eckler, only 16 yards on the ground, but as usual, he finds the end zone through the air, 51 yards receiving. Mike Williams has 117 yards receiving. Keenan Allen catches all six of his targets for 68 yards and a touchdown. The only dud is Hunter Henry. Sees just three targets, two catches, and 10 yards. Anything here other than Phillip Rivers is probably playing out for the rest of the season uh, on the Chargers side. Honestly, I thought it was a pretty good fantasy performance from everybody on the Chargers, like from a fantasy perspective, because the Broncos have been a good defense. Now, they were without Von Miller this game, and that's obviously going to affect them missing their best player on defense. Uh, But Melvin Gordon, you know, he doesn't score, but, you know, 110 total yards. Austin Eckler scores a touchdown. Rivers, even though he threw that pick and that ugly pick, and he doesn't look good. He really doesn't. But 265 yards two touchdowns against the Broncos nothing to scoff at uh Keenan Allen in shadow coverage with Chris Harris Jr he's really struggled in that matchup but 68 yards and a touchdown Mike Williams he makes a massive catch like he uh it was down the sideline I don't know if we were recording when that was happening because I remember watching like but I wasn't talking <laughs> he caught a pass on the sideline it was a one-arm grab like it was a big boy catch and Mike Williams has done that a few times and like every time you watch him you wonder if he can kind of take that next step is a guy that can come out but with Rivers kind of playing the way Rivers is playing it's just it's it's a mess in LA right now and I don't know what they do as a franchise because they're a team that was again they're another team that was built to win uh they felt like they had their veteran quarterback and they need to go for it now I think they're I think they can win a championship right now if they had solid quarterback play had everybody healthy on defense which they got Derwin James back this week that's obviously massive it's just such a disappointment I'm guessing there's going to be some sort of coaching change there but that team is built to win yeah for sure and at the very least they are a pretty good source of you know, fantasy production Um, for the most part, obviously, on the running back side. It's top heavy. Yeah, it's top heavy. I, I agree with you there. All right, that's going to do it for today's show. Thanks again to Pristine Auction, who sponsors our Dak Prescott Helmet giveaway. Remember, they have a ton of auctions every day where you can get all sorts of fantastic items for your man cave. Just go to auction.com And don't forget to use the referral code FANTASYPROS in the registration field when you sign up for a $5 voucher. Thanks also to HelloFresh. If you like delicious, fresh, easy-to-prepare meals, then you need to go to HelloFresh.com slash pros9. Use our promo code pros9 to get nine free meals. Again, that's HelloFresh.com slash pros9 and promo code pros9. Enjoy your Monday Night Football, everyone. Bobby and Tags will be back to get you through the rest of the week. I just wanted you to watch me dissolve.